Hi everyone and welcome back to Let's Chat Careers Advice. I'm Scott Keys, And I'm Charlotte Lever. Charlotte, this is our final episode of season two. What an incredible journey it's been, right? It's been amazing. We've just had some incredible, fantastic speakers, haven't we, this season? From Joe talking about starting life as a fighter pilot to Charles talking about black role models. And then Poppy talking about starting her career in a pandemic and being really honest and frank about that. It's just been amazing, hasn't it, Scott? It has. So so a variety of different people and stories and careers. And it's been really, really insightful, really, really fun. Today, we're joined by another amazing speaker, Rob McCargo, the technology impact leader for our consulting practice. He's in the studio today with Scott. I'm gutted that I can't be there to join them, but I'm here virtually. For the last five years, Rob has been the director of our Artificial Intelligence Center of Excellence, where he's developed his reputation as one of the firm's leading technology spokespeople. He's an honorary visiting fellow at Bayes Business School and a founding advisory board member of the all-party parliamentary group on AI. HR Magazine ranks him as HR's most influential thinker 2021. Analytica cites him as who's who in AI. And also he was voted Tech Community Leader of the Year at last year's COGX Festival. Absolutely amazing. He's also a high profile champion of the Women in Tech agenda, recently being recognized for his efforts with the Editor's Choice Awards at the Tech Women 100. Rob, wow, what an introduction. It's amazing to have you here today. So. Today, hopefully, you'll be sharing your incredible journey with us um, from the biggest highlights, lessons and plans for the future. It's a great, great pleasure to have you here today. Thank you, Charlotte and Scott. And uh, yeah, a lot to live up to, but it's great to be here. Thank you. Brilliant. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by um, talking a little bit around yourself and your background, if that's all right, Rob. Very happy to do so. Yeah. Where shall I start? How far back? From the beginning. University life, maybe? Yeah, sure. So I uh, I didn't really know what to do when I was growing up. I thought I wanted to be a doctor, didn't really have the A-levels to do that, and uh, ended up at Newcastle University and uh, ended up studying uh, microbiology, um, which don't ask me much about now. I can't quite recall it. It's been a few years ago. But working in a lab wasn't for me. It was an interesting degree, but I didn't really know what to do. And uh, my first career actually was in the world of recruitment, ironically, as we're discussing a lot about careers today. And I had a really interesting time. I was uh, working in, uh, in financial recruitment. I was helping people find jobs. I sp- spent a lot of time working at more senior levels, building executive teams for companies in the healthcare space, and eventually ran my own business, which was a really exciting three years, um, learning about business at the sharp end, about cash flow, about brand, and all manner of things that I hadn't had to work on before. So that was really the first part of my career. But I think for quite a long time throughout those years, those early years, I was seeking the the mission, trying to find the the purpose that would get me out of bed in the morning. And uh, the the moment that this uh, really moved on to another level was uh, about eight years ago. And uh, I'd been thinking long and hard about what to do with my life. And out of the blue, I was approached by uh, someone in my network to see if I would go to West Africa and work on the Ebola outbreak response as an HR practitioner. And uh, without even thinking it through, I just said yes. And I think they were quite shocked I would think about going into the middle of a a global health emergency to work in this field. And uh, before I knew it, I'd managed to uh, uh, convince my wife it was a good idea to do this for a few months and spent a number of months working in Sierra Leone, in Guinea, in Liberia and Senegal at the heart of this extraordinary humanitarian response and operation. So uh, amazing time, learned a lot about myself, saw the 
effect you can have really in the grassroots about trying to make things better. But not necessarily the most sustainable career in the long term. And uh, and they came back home and uh, my, my wife Emma suggested I get a grown-up job. I didn't really want a grown-up job. I was quite happy trying to save the world and do important things. So I'd heard PwC was quite a grown-up place to work and uh, very fortunate to, to join the firm seven years ago um, this month, in fact. And uh, the, really, the, the, the first role was working around human resources, resource management, trying to find the people internally with the right sorts of jobs. And then, uh, really, the, 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 the next chapter, about six years ago, came about when uh, we had a, a new chairman, when Kevin joined uh, as the chairman, and he'd really set out to make PwC the leading technology uh, professional services company and uh, at the heart of this was this amazing technology called artificial intelligence. And this is a technology that's been around for decades, but really hadn't yet had a big effect in the world of business. And many reasons for that, but this time around it was different. There was lots and lots of powerful computers. There was lots and lots of uh, data and information available to use these computers on. And, and I had the chance really to start to... Uh, sort of shape the story, you know, the effect that this technology would have on the world economy, the effect that this technology would have on the jobs of the future, which were going to change immeasurably in the years to come, both for PwC with our 300,000 people around the world, as well as all the companies and clients we serve around the world as well. And also this whole range of things that will matter in society, the way that technology will start to raise things like ethical concerns and things around driverless cars and all manner of interesting issues. So I had the chance to, uh, to, to really sort of create the, the vision around this. And off the back of that, out of the blue, I had the chance to give a TEDx talk. And I'd never been a public speaker before. I was fairly new into my profession as a, uh, as a technologist and uh, therefore had this huge privilege and burden of having to have a, a TED talk to give in six months' time. So you can imagine that was quite an interesting uh, interesting time. So anyway, I, I really threw myself into this, and this is a brilliant place to work, to bring experts from everywhere, from every field, every sector, every country, uh, to help you out with these sorts of projects. Uh, and I'm pleased to say the talk went really well. And once you're a TED talker, you are suddenly in quite high demand. And I had the chance to travel the world. I've been maybe to around 40 countries talking about the effect of AI on the world, on the economies, on jobs of the future, and uh, had a terrific time. Wasn't quite so easy during the pandemic where I couldn't leave my my home. Um, so uh, that was a bit of a challenge, but I think I did take it quite badly at the start. Everyone's been affected by the pandemic in different ways, but I just thought, hang on, I've had the chance to change my career so many times into big scary and bold directions I can do it again and uh, I then moved into an internal role worked on a really exciting piece of technology uh, on well-being using Formula One technology which I'm happy to talk about in the podcast as well uh, until the world has reopened and now moved into our consulting business in a, a newly created role as technology impact leader for PwC. Well and did you carve out that kind of role yourself you know naturally or was it something you wanted to do? I think this is the really exciting thing about PwC is that whilst we, of course, have very established and mature uh, business lines, there's so much constantly changing in the world around us and 
big changes that our clients are facing up to. So we're constantly creating new solutions to these problems. So where we see value, where we see it's a problem that we can really help and to to solve that problem and build trust in doing so, there is huge scope here to reinvent yourself. And I've managed to do that at least two or three times in my seven years in the firm. And I get the impression you're not afraid of jumping at the deep end as well. I, I have to jump in the deep end. I'm not someone that learns in a traditional way. It's throw me in and see what happens. Rob, having watched your TED talk, you're definitely a natural public speaker. It was really good. So, um, thanks to say, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you lost so. social media followers after that, didn't you? I, I did, yeah, but I, it wasn't a natural thing I'd done before, though. You know, in that respect, Charlotte, I really had to work at it and had a lot of support here to to try to try to refine the art and it's an ongoing process. But I do really enjoy it now. It's it's been it's been a fun profession. So we're very lucky to to have Rob today. I get the impression he's hard to come by. <laughs> The man in demand. So, Rob, so if, if we go right back to the very, very start, um, can you tell us a bit more about your journey from school and then what your what you thought your career would be? Um, as we know, life doesn't always plan out how we think it's going to be and how you dealt with those um, opportunities that come your way. Yeah, sure thing, Scott. The, I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Um, I, I'm from... A, uh, a background where I've got really powerful female role models in my life. My 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 uh, my grandmother was a, was a nurse. My my auntie was a, a chair of a hospital trust, and my mum was uh, a midwife and a health visitor. And she'd gone on as a single mum to do amazing things. She did her MBA. She was a skydiver. She she ended up getting right to the top of being like a chief nurse for a big part of the NHS. So she was a huge role model in my life. So I had a sort of an inkling it would be something to do with uh, the health industry, actually. Uh, and uh, uh, I did try to be a doctor and uh, didn't quite meet the mark in terms of the academics, unfortunately, uh, hence falling into that sort of uh, uh, field of degree around medical microbiology. So that was interesting. But it, that was, I guess, the first blow I had. It, it, it felt like an early failure and uh, took it quite badly. But I tell you what, there's something about that word failure that I've really dwelled on, I've had problems with, and 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 struggled with quite a bit in the past around this issue. And uh, and in fact, I've spoken on previous podcasts about how this manifests itself. Because uh, you know, you, when you've had when you've got through school fairly easily, it, it's hard when suddenly it doesn't quite work out. Then you go through a phase of your career, and then something happens; it doesn't work out. And I'll be honest, I was not a very good entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I did three years. I learned a huge amount running my own business later on, but it just was not right for me. Yeah. But I took it as a huge blow when I, I just couldn't make the most of it. And I've, I've really thought a lot about that because um, I've now realized that we all need to fail. We don't want to get to the point where we're kind of hiding our failures. I've taken it and inverted it the way around. I, I openly talk about my failures I embrace them I celebrate them because I look back now they've been the most phenomenal moments for me to grow to change to learn and evolve uh, and find that path and that pursuit of mission and purpose and it's all about learning right if you if you don't take that risk yes we're not going it's not always going to turn out positive but failure for me personally I think it's a big learning curve and if you move take that forward into anything you're doing be prepared to fa- you know prepare to fail and accept it could happen but what are you going to do to counteract that? Yeah. And it seems like, you know, the, your journey to date in life and your career, you've stood up to that. I, I think so. And 
in a very, very serendipitous way, how this has translated into a technology profession is very interesting because I think in the past you would have these big, bold plans of how you develop technology. But with these new forms of technology, you need more of a what I describe as a, an iterative approach. You need to try things, realise they don't work, try something else, keep failing, learning from it quickly. And, and that's a much more uh, positive way, an agile way of, 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 uh, of creating good technology products. And it's been very curious. Indeed, yeah, and that's the word for me that is the most important thing in a career, constantly being curious and a constant pursuit of learning, of growing, of, of finding out new information. And uh, that, that, for me, is the fundamental lesson I've learned to keep displaying that trait. Fantastic. I think what we wanted to move on to talk to you about now, Rob, was kind of transferable skills. So you really have, you know, so said you started in recruitment, something that Scott and I are really passionate about and moved sort of through different roles into kind of the tech side of things. What skills do you think, you know, you had in the recruitment space that maybe worked really well as you moved through the different stages of your career? Again, another uh, aspect of my career I've, I've thought a lot about. And uh, for me, I think it's about the it's, it's the connection with people. And I had the opportunity uh, with that previous career to, to, to build enduring comprehensive networks of professionals across the, across the field. And I've really carried that forward into this sector, both with our huge network of colleagues globally, but also with this community of, uh, of, of stakeholders and uh, contacts externally. Uh, and that, for me, has allowed me to, um, to sort of accelerate my career into field that I'd never imagined I'd think it would be possible because you start realizing there's things that you're put on this earth to do that you're just absolutely great at yeah and uh, and this is uh, for me something I learned from a, a, a wonderful colleague of, of ours Andy Woodfield who uh, I know many of you will know uh, and he has this concept of genius power dreams he calls it you know that if you've got this block of talent of natural instinct to to, to succeed in life and there's things all the way on the other side of the uh, of, of the of the hill that just are never going to be you, even if you practice every day tenaciously. Uh, even after ten years of practice, you'll only ever be adequate at. So don't sweat it. You know that's not your destiny. Yep, yep. But just outside this this concentric circle, there's things to lean into to get a bit uncomfortable with. That if you sustain and focus on, expands this genius. Uh, and that allows for that personal growth. And that was very much the case for me. And having that network around me of people with those complementary skills was the bit that got, overcame my supposed shortcomings in some of the more technical areas or other things that I hadn't had experience of previously. Amazing. I've heard Andy Woodfield talk a few times as well, and he's fantastic. Um, I think the other thing that you've already touched on, you've mentioned about having amazing sort of, you know, females in your life. But is there any mentor throughout your career that you've really thought, yeah, they they really helped me drive in the direction I wanted to do, particularly, I suppose, in a space, the tech space, which is ever evolving and ever changing in terms of what your role was, finding the right mentor? How did you how did you find that? Who, who's that person been for you? I, I think some people have that one person in their life, don't they? I, I've, I've taken a different view, I think, as a, as a retired headhunter. I've uh, spread my chips quite thinly across the market. So I probably must have about 30 mentors. And all of them, I think, have given me a little bit of uh, insight that just got me that breakthrough moment. And, and it wasn't just about careers and professions. It was personal matters as well. You know, people that had encouraged me when um, you know times were challenging to look at coaching and try to explore getting some help 
uh, when I've had some personal difficulties to destigmatize getting counseling, which was an amazing breakthrough moment. A former colleague of mine who had had some challenges as well had been through that and had sort of, you know, made it an acceptable thing to do. Um, so, so for me, I, I constantly seek out mentors, but I am absolutely focused upon the flip side of the arrangement. And, and I make myself available to a huge number of uh, colleagues and people externally to mentor them and to help them through big changes they're facing as well. So it has to be a two-way street for me. Um, but no, I don't think there's one, I'd be here for a long time if I was to name every one of the people that have helped me in particular the last 10 years. But throughout our lives, there, there's people that come and go, right? And there's people that have strengths that you really adhere to. And there's some weaknesses that, you know, I'm not so fond of, but someone else will have that additional, I don't know, uh, advice, bit of advice that would really help you. And you remember those little bits. I mean, certain things in life or decisions I make, I think, okay, I remember being told this six years ago from like a school teacher or a football coach or something like that. There's little bits that we carry in our lives, maybe subconsciously. Um, but as you say, there's many people influence, influence us throughout our lives. And as you say, points in your career and points in your personal life as well when you need different people. I think that's important. 30 is a lot though, Rob. That is a lot. It, it, might, be more, it might be more like 300, I'll be honest, Charlotte. I don't keep count. <laughs> okay, moving on. So looking back to high school um, years ago, or even university, when you started your first job, what one piece of advice would you give to yourself? Um, try not to get run over by a forklift truck. Uh, <laughs> Where are we going with this? Yeah, yeah okay, just a, a, brief, a brief story. Um, so I was very fortunately selected one summer when I was at school uh, to be uh, um, able to do like a six-week summer placement with um, a big blue-chip company uh, to get work experience. And the day before it was due to start, um, the, uh, the the guy called me up and said, so, so sorry, it's fallen through, but don't worry, I've lined up some work for you. <laughs> Go to this place. So I put my little uh, little jacket and tie on, turned up at this office in this industrial estate, and the guy said, no, you won't need that. Put this overalls on and, and sort of steel toe cap boots. It was a shot-blasting and galvanising factory. And my job was to operate this 10-ton crane to put big chunks of metal through and blast them with metal shot. And um, very, very, cl had a very near miss, almost got reversed into by a forklift. And so, this is uh, a work experience. It was, wow. uh, yeah, actually it was paid, but um, yeah, yeah. I should have had more danger money for that. So, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I think back to some, some of those early summer jobs I had, um, you know, working in the factory, you know, make, make boxes for a living for, a, for you know, a cardboard one summer, bar work. I tell you what, all of those really forged some character and gave me some understanding of the value of uh, graft and, and and actually, you know, self-reliance uh, from an income perspective. So I, I treasure those jobs in many respects in an early stage. Um, so I still think back kind of fondly about them even yeah, now, yeah. all these years later. Yeah, yeah. And I think from a very young age, you know, we have yeah, jobs like paper rounds and things like that, which I, I don't know if they exist anymore because it's all digital, but... You, there's still things that you, from a young age, again, the graft, the hard work, you realise the importance. Okay, you go to work to, obviously, money. And that puts you in good stead for, hopefully, a, a good successful career, which it sounds like you're on a phenomenal journey and you're still still going from strength to strength. Yeah, the irony is that it's, uh, I think people look at what I do and think it's just been this linear trajectory of one step than another towards some uh, you know some some degree of success uh, but it couldn't be further from the truth if I plotted it on a graph it would be all over the place and uh, 
that was my journey. I had to go along that and I had to explore and try things out and fail and change constantly. And uh, you know what? I, the more I think about the future with careers, I think the more I believe that actually is more of a, of a likely template. Uh, as I said before in the earlier comment about technology, the way it's going to change careers substantially in the years to come will mean that people have to get used to constantly rearming themselves with knowledge and education, upskilling, uh, be comfortable with constantly changing course. Uh, and uh, for me, that's been uh, amazing moments of breakthrough and uh, awareness and, and opportunity that's come from being open to change constantly. Yeah. Uh, we discussed this on a podcast, and it might have been the first season, um, around the, 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 the youth, or I've got a, a young daughter, and I asked what should she be studying at school? Is it coding? And they said no. And that coding at the time was the big, big thing. And they said it would all be AI. It would all be done by machines in years to come. So again, it's about evolving and adapting to the, the future. That's, that's probably the question I get asked most at the events I do, you know, from someone in the audience, I've got kids X, Y, Z age, what should I tell them to be or what should I get them to study? And and I think for me, that that's the wrong question because I think it's got to be about sustaining a love of education and learning. And uh, if you can nurture that, then that will prepare the next generation for whatever comes next. Because I don't think you can scientifically and accurately plot what those jobs are going to be. I, I do have a few that, when I'm pressed, I'm fairly comfortable with. Apparently, uh, the least likely job to be disrupted by AI is hairdressing and barbering, because okay. it's a really hard problem to solve with uh, robotics and AI. Um, but one of the jobs that apparently is going to be in very high demand um, off the back of this tech revolution is the fact that AI struggles with British sarcasm. So the experts uh, predict that there's huge explosive growth in the need for people that can be sarcasm trainers and explainers for technology oh, in the future. Yeah. So if you've got kids that are sarcastic, then Absolutely. they'll be okay. Yeah, there'll be some characters coming out of the woodwork <laughs> for that. <laughs> I think another question I had for you, Rob, is you, you've already talked about the medical background and with your upbringing and how that influenced decisions. How overall do you think your upbringing has influenced your career choices and kind of your, your choice, how you kind of approach work life? I think hugely, uh, and um, I, I mentioned my first role model being my mum, Charlotte, in the in the earlier part of the podcast, and uh, and, and she always had this motto as a sort of a, a nursing leader about not you can't change the world, but you can make a difference in the corner of the world you occupy, and um, and and that really sort of came to bear because unfortunately, as she hit a stride with a career in life late forties. She, she very sadly got diagnosed with motor neurone disease. And uh, this was a terrible illness. It was, you know, it's one of those things that's not uh, curable. And, um, you know, she sort of responded to that in such an amazing way. She continued to nurture the next generation of nursing leaders. She was positive to the end, despite this sort of crushing blow. And I think she upheld that mantra about trying to make a difference in the corner of the world you occupy. So I've tried to sort of adopt that as a, as a learn. And I, I do think about how I show up every day. I think about the impression I leave with people. And I think about how the careers matter and how you can inspire people to lead with purpose and mission. I think it's a really important trait to carry forward. Yeah, I've, I've, again, I've listened to some of your talks and it definitely does rub off on a lot of people. Um, positive. I think we can all take that away from the podcast today about what your mum said about making an impact in the small bit of the world that we're in. I love that. Absolutely fantastic. 
I think that's um, the end of the podcast today. It's just been so fascinating to hear from you, Rob, like just the journey you've been through, the different careers you've had. I think I, I think the other thing that you've talked about is that's what the new generation coming through need to think about. They need to think about the fact that it might not be one career for life now that you have to continually upskill, continue to develop. I think that's a really useful piece of advice for our listeners. So that is the end of series two for us. It's been amazing, as we said at the beginning, some fantastic speakers. Um, so we really hope everyone's enjoyed the season as much as we have. And we're looking forward to season three and bringing you some fantastic new guests and lots more careers advice. Hopefully it's going to be a good one. As always, if you're interested in a career at PwC, head over to our website, pwc.co.uk forward slash careers. Thanks so much for listening and take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.